welcome back everybody to another episode of the blazer victory podcast john duncan here and i'm joined as always with my co-host darian smith and darian i wish we had more uh <laughs> good things to talk about but unfortunately uh didn't get it done um these last three games uh they were able to get uab was able to get one out of the three um on the road at louisiana tech but they do lose at home to western kentucky wednesday night and then they lose monday night on martin luther king day to middle tennessee in overtime but you and i were talking earlier today of course we're going to have some negative things to say i mean that's the name of the game there there were there was some ugly basketball there but you know, we, you know, and you came up with the title of this episode, How Much Does Almost Count? Darian, it, I don't think we're crazy to say that this team is so close to finally putting it all together, getting the puzzles to, to fit, to make the puzzle. Like, people need to realize that these last two games in particular, like, they were without the nation's leading scorer, uh, Jordan Jelly Walker. And he gets hurt late in that game in Bartow last Wednesday um, against Western Kentucky. Who's to say, Darren, if he doesn't get hurt late in that game, he nails one of those shots at the end and, and is able to pull it. UAB is able to pull it out um, in Bartow. But I, you know, I get, I get the negativity. I see it. I know the players see it. I know the coaches see it all over Twitter, Facebook, what, yada yada, message boards, whatever. But honestly, Darren. They're so close to <laughs> just getting this on the right track. They are so close. Yeah, and you know, like you said, I know they see the cr- criticism. A lot of it is deserved. A lot it of is. it is deserved. Um, it is a lot of context that, unfortunately, when we're talking about wins and losses, it's a lot of context that needs to be taken into account. Uh, but with wins and losses. It's, it can't be that way. Wins and losses are black and white. Right. There's, there's not gray. There's not a. There's not a, a dissertation that's attached alone to say, hey, when you lost, well, this is exactly what happened. It was almost. It doesn't. It it, it isn't that way. But I can say this. I can put it this way. If I say one guy has made, um, he's only missed three of ten field goals, and the other guy has missed eight of 10 field goals. Well, you're going to automatically think the guy that missed eight field goals is horrible. Right. But what if I tell you seven of those eight were actually blocked and he has a a, a line in front of them that are, they are all five, five, 130 pound guys and they just get ran over. <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> well, that's 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 what I'm kind of going here. It's like once you kind of dive into it, like you said, Jelly Jelly's been missing, and the team has been so close in a lot of instances, and we'll go into detail. But as there's little things here and there, you can probably go into each and every game. But it there there are worrisome things in these losses. Um, there were some things that's happening. It's kind of like a pattern that's happening. It's almost like the football team, to be honest. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it is. It's, it doesn't make it any less frustrating, I'll tell you that. It, it doesn't, especially with the talent that UAB has on this basketball team, like the high expectations that we had that the media put on this UAB team that Andy Kennedy and the team had for themselves. Like, 
yeah, uh, it's not going the way that the UAB fans uh, were hoping it would go. Um, but, hey, you look at those two losses. Western Kentucky, you lose by two points, 80-78. to 78. You look at Monday night's game, you lose in overtime by one point, just a split hair of a second away from Ty Brewer getting that shot off and winning it for UAB. But just just barely just wasn't able to get it off in time. So, I mean, you look at that, like, they are so close. And you look at, hey, go back to Ruston, Louisiana Tech on Saturday, 81-74 UAB wins over Louisiana Tech in Ruston, which that is a – that is a hard place to win, and UAB certainly knows about that. Um, but UAB was able to get it done there. But it's just the game. Like you look at the Western Kentucky game. Let's let's just start there. Eighty to seventy-eight, UAB loses. You look at UAB didn't shoot the ball all that well, but they still shot it better than they did the next couple of games. But for forty-three percent. But you look at those turnovers, man. Fourteen turnovers and the free throws. 18 of 28 from the line. Like you just make a couple more of those free throws and you you don't turn the ball over late in the game. And I feel like it's a, it's a different contest. UAB pulls it out at, at home in Bartow. And, you know, we, we, we said it before. I, th- I think we said it last week, Darian, that it seems that when this team gets in like very tight situations towards the end of ball games, they kind of get nervous and just kind of fall apart. In a way, it, it does kind of seem like that happened against Western Kentucky uh, last Wednesday. But it didn't happen the next two games. Like, you look at uh, Louisiana Tech, dominating effort on the boards, getting just offensive rebounds, man. Like, they really took it to Tech on the boards, getting 21 offensive rebounds, just to Louisiana Tech getting eight offensive rebounds. Like, they took it to them on the boards. And you look at the Middle Tennessee game. Hey, they had 27 offensive rebounds UAB did compared to just nine from Middle Tennessee. Now, granted, UAB couldn't shoot the ball all that well. 31% from the field uh, in that game, and in Louisiana Tech, 37%. So you can say all you want, but without Jordan Jelly Walker on that court, it does make things kind of awkward, at least for this team, for our offensive rhythm and flow. So, yeah, they definitely struggled without Jelly. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think we've been struggling with identity since the beginning of the year. I think we've been struggling to figure out, especially with our backcourt dynamics, how do we mix all our ingredients in? Like, we got all these top-tier ingredients, but this is a hamburger seasoning. This is a seafood seasoning. Oh, no, this is for tacos. You know, it's... Y'all yeah. good food, and we in a good kitchen. This is like, uh, is this the right ingredients we need for this to flourish? Um, so what I mean by is like, a lot of times late in the game is when you lean on your identity that you've created offensively to get buckets. So you know, you look at certain teams, and they are very disciplined in the sets they run. You know, they're trying to accomplish something, and you can tell what they're trying to accomplish. Are they trying to get this player open? Or are they trying to get this player to operate in space? Are they trying to get this athlete on a mismatch? Like, oh, the the, the big guy, they're trying to, you know, they're going to use their big man because of his offensive repertoire. Um, I honestly don't know when it gets tight. 
I don't know what our identity is. So in the middle eights of the game, you know, it's it's free flowing. You can get buckets in transition. You can get buckets on putbacks. And you have some identity of certain guys like show up. Like it's certain things that you can tell that are that some guys are really good at. Like for instance, Ty Brewer in that mid-range area, he's yep. very good. He can he make jumpers all the time in that mid-range area. You can tell that's his sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, JVN Davis, he has a very refined post game. Um so he, you can actually throw him the ball when it, everything is chaotic. You can throw him the ball, and he can get you a bucket in the post. Um, Trey Jemison, he's good on putbacks, and he can he can get you a bucket on a mismatch. He doesn't have a good offensive repertoire. As as, like dumping it I, off. Him. <laughs> I hate that hook shot. I hate it. I hate but, it. But to me, he's very he's very much a pick and roll big like. He can get the, he can and he can clean up. He's just been really good. And I'll get to him in a second. But um, you know, he knows his role. I can I can go down like Ladarius Brewer is a good, he is not a good uh initiator. Like you're not gonna give the ball to Ladarius Brewer and say, all right, let's create, give me a give me a bucket like jelly. Mm-mm. But if you take a jelly on your team and you put him in a pick and roll action and he is swing is swung to Ladarius Brewer. Ladarius is great at catching the ball at, at the wing, either shooting at three or attacking the closeout, which is which is in when the player when a defensive player runs out to him, he can make a decision. Let me, do I need to go ahead and let this fly, or do I need to drive it in? Do I need to pull up? Do I need to drive it all way all the way in, take it to the rim? He's very good in those situations. So, it, but there are a couple players that I, I'm wondering, like, what exactly is your role? And I think the number one guy that's really still trying to find it is Eric Gaines. Yeah. So, I think that's why a lot of times, in when it gets when it's crunch time, and you see this if you watch the NBA, you'll kind of see it with like Russell Westbrook, who's who's been good this year. But in crunch time, you can do things defensively to take him out the game. When it bogs now and you can on every single guy out there and you got to depend on something like Golden State, they can run screens, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. You know what you're going to get. You know what you can – you know what you – you know certain teams like um, like Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's going to get downhill. He's going to finish through contact. All you got to do – is get him going in transition, get him going on the pick and roll. What is what are we trying to do at UAB? Is if when I look at that game the other day, um, I can tell you I can see Eric kind of struggling trying to find his role. You know, that's why you if you just watch him sometimes, he 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 tends to get caught in the air a lot. Yeah. And he'll turn the ball over. And looking to get bailed out with a foul. Yeah, you, you are not going to get that on the road, man. Not <laughs> right, get he'll get caught in the air. He, you can tell, you can see him trying to process what decision he should make. And I thought that without Jelly, that maybe he'll be able to find out what he's good and what he's better at. But he really needs help on and seeing because he's not that jump shooter. He he's athletic. He can finish at the rim some, but he's still only six. Two, like six one six two. So no matter how many hops, as you can see, when he he faced he took number twelve on from Middle Tennessee, he got rejected. 
I mean, because number 12 is a good, what, six, 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 seven athletic shot blocker. You know, so it's like mm, you're not LeBron, right? LeBron can take people on at the hoop, and I'm I'm not throwing that as a pun, but it's just as a comparison. LeBron can take people on at the hoop because he's strong and six nine with athleticism. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Jelly, no, Jelly has his move. Jelly knows his spots. He knows where he's gonna get to. One thing, one thing about Eric, I see too. Also, is like on those pick and rolls, he needs to refine his handle some, like. He tends to get kind of loosey-goosey with the ball yes. and be ripped. Yes. So it's like he's not a pure point guard all the way. He's more of a combo guard. And it, I think it's just tough for him. Like, it's like, where is my spots? Is it yeah. the mid-range? What 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 is his go-to? I don't think anybody can tell me what his go-to is. You know, you we had um, back in the past in UAB basketball, we had Aaron Squeaky Johnson. Mm-hmm. Aaron, his first thing was as a point guard, he was the general, right? Mm-hmm. He got players lined up. He knew how to get players the ball in their spot. He knew how to get down. He knew what he wanted to accomplish. And if he if he had the ball in his hands, you knew there was going to be a goal. You knew something good was going to happen. Hey, give it to him and let him operate. When I when the ball is given to Eric, I kind of hold my breath. <laughs> Me too. Because you don't know what's gonna it, it might be something good because he's he he gets in the lane sometimes he make these good dump off pass like on, on the pass that Trey Jemison got fouled on. Mm, yeah, we're we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was Eric getting off into the lane and he made a good pass. Like I'm like, there you go. And he has to like refine his pure point guard skills if that's his game. If that's not if that's not your game, what is your game? You know, um, and I think I think um, Taven Loving, for whatever reason, being experienced as he is, he's he's been struggling with that this year. And that might be the roster construction of this team offensively. He's been struggling with that. Um, Tony Tony is another guy offensively. He is a great energy guy. He makes stuff happen defensively and with his energy. But when the game bogs down. Let. What is Tony Tony did? What is he gonna accomplish on offense? Is he a corner three guy? Is he a cut offensive rebounder guy? I can tell you what Michael Ertle, I can tell you what Jelly Walker, I can tell you what Quan Jackson, that team from last year, I can tell you what their roles were and what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Especially late in the game. I I don't know. Trey Jemison was leading us in points. Like we were leaning on him offensively. Oh yeah, had a career high eighteen points at middle. Oh. Yeah, was it twenty? I thought it was twenty. It was eight. Uh, I think it was eighteen. Hold on, oh, let me look. Okay. Well, we yeah, eighteen twenty. It don't matter. But we late in the game, we were like throwing it down to Trey and like telling Trey to get us buckets. Hey, I know he Trey balled out. He did. But that is not Trey's game. No. That is not Trey's game at all. Like we shouldn't be throwing it now. JV and Davis. That's different. Javian is that's that's his game. Like he can he can get you buckets. That's what he does. That is not Trey Jemison, you know. Like, you know, we was like depending on KJ buffing threes and that's not KJ's game. He can take him. I don't want him taking those and clutch make a miss. That's not but I just think we were looking where we we are kind of looking for identities, for a lot of guys offensively. It's funny because I thought we were so behind defensively. 
in the in the beginning of the season, in which we still got some things defensively, but we showed the ability to kind of crack down, okay, and we can get some stops. Um, I, I still don't understand. I know it's a reason why we do that one three one zone. I personally don't like it, but I'm pretty sure the coaching staff is there's a reason. Yeah, they have to mix it in some. <laughs> Y'all know we kind of it's kind of like our base defense. Like I don't, it's like a base defense until. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. It was like until under 10 seconds, and then we go to man when it's under 10 seconds. Um, I don't know why we do it because I think it's I think it's so much of a gamble. Oftentimes we get hit with a lob or open three where we end up with three guys on one person mm-hmm. and somebody's wide open in the corner. I'm like, God, Lee, this is. This is when I played football. We used to have this blitz. Uh, <laughs> defense hated this blitz. It was called Maka. Maka was like all out blitz. Mm-hmm. We used to get our ass burned every <laughs> single time doing the Maka blitz. Defense hated it. Every time I heard that, I was like, oh, here we go, Maka. That we finna get scored on. <laughs> and like, and that's kind of how I kind of see now the 1 3 1 they've been doing is kind of way more successful than that because they do get some turnovers and stuff out of it. But I feel like. Out more often times than not, it's a three or it's a lob or somebody is able to get to the rim. I just it's so much of a gamble. Um, but anyway, yes. Anyway, at least we have that as a identity on defense. It's something that we at least know that we do. And offensively, I I just struggle knowing. In late in the games, if it's tight, I struggle knowing, having confidence in knowing what this team gonna do. Aside from doing a pick and roll, you know, maybe Jelly step back three when he's available to play, or maybe Jelly making a play. I don't know what. I don't know what we do offensively. I just don't know. I don't. I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I do want to give uh, Kennedy and. Uh, coaching staff credit for that last uh, play they drew up um, at the end of overtime because they had Brewer wide open. He just, they just got it to him a little too late. So I feel like that was a good play call, but to, you know, agree with you, like a lot of these late game, you know, FAU, WKU, like these losses at the end of the game, you're wondering like, what is UAB doing? Like, you, you know, you go back to the Western Kentucky game where, you know, Jelly's looking to the sideline at Kennedy to get a play call in and doesn't see one. So he hurries up and jacks a three point instead of working and getting a good play in. Like, I just, it, it is, it is frustrating to watch at times. Um, but, oh, and by the way, it was, uh, Trey Jemison had, it would create 18 points, 11 rebounds. So I did get that, um, for sure. But, so how much does almost count? Because like we can talk all day about, oh, we almost beat Middle Tennessee. We almost beat Western Kentucky. We almost beat FAU at FAU. Almost, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, whatever. The thing is, you've dropped four games in conference play. So you're sitting at four and four. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to get an at-large bid. That is, <laughs> That was gone last week. So, you, you, you know, you're just playing to get better to March for the Conference USA Tournament in Frisco, Texas. Your goal right now is to try to get one of those few teams, I think it's the top five teams this year, actually get a first-round bye in the Conference USA Tournament uh, into the quarterfinals. 
So your goal right now is just to steadily keep improving until then. Get a bye and just win three games. Get to the tournament. Because if you do that, Darian, do we even care about what happened, you know, up to now? Not really, no. because you still accomplished your goal. You know, your goal is to get back to the to to win the conference tournament and get back to the big dance. So right. and you know this team has the talent to do this. Like if they can just continue to put it all together number one they're going to need jelly back i hope to goodness that jelly's back this saturday i i, w- I was pretty sure he wasn't going to play at middle um i figured they would hold him just a few more days to rest him up as much as possible to get ready for big for the big matchup saturday in barto again against north texas but they're going to need him back on that court because we've seen without jelly on the court even with his struggling as of late you know he's been in a little funk but even without even with that, like without having that threat on the court, like teams were able to kind of guard UAB really well. Um, yeah. So. And so like so like on both of those fronts of uh, as far as let me let me just clarify real quick as far as like it wasn't a, a, me attacking the coaching staff. It was just us trying to what are we trying to accomplish versus like you can get a play in. Yeah. But but the play has to be able to get the plays. The the reason for getting the play in is to to get a certain player in a certain position. So you want a player to be in their sweet spot right. in order to work. So like I said, is is it is it getting jelly a um, getting jelly a mismatch on a slow footed center? It might just be a top of the key pick and roll, and maybe that center can't keep up, and he had, mm-hmm. because he's playing off, so he doesn't want to switch. So if you get a good solid pick on the guard, you can attack. I'm thinking of that that big seven foot center Russian guy that was from FAU. Think of him. Mm-hmm. If you go to the top of the key and you're able to get a good solid screen with Trey, and even if it even if the guard fends it off, just do it again. Just do it. I would just screen the screen again over and over because you know that seven foot center guy is way too slow footed to keep up with Jelly and he's going to play off. Jelly can mm-hmm. pull up from anywhere. Bam. You know what you're trying to accomplish in that in that scenario. Um, But for a lot of guys on the team. I just don't I just don't know what we're able to accomplish. Put it that way. I still don't know what. You're right, though. It, it goes I, I back struggle, to the identity, but you just, yeah, like the identity thing. It goes right back to what you said earlier. Like, I agree 100%. Right. So, and I do, I do think the coaching staff did a good job of getting Ty in his sweet spot. He's very good on those mid-range jumper. He gets he he gets good elevation. It's a sweet stroke from that spot. That was a good job. You know, like, hey, that is one thing we can go to in this. And I and like I said, I think we can go to Javian Davis on the low post. I think we got Ty Brewer in the mid-range. I think we got Ladarius Brewer as a secondary playmaker. But in other than that, I'm Eric Eric does things, but <laughs> I don't it's I don't know what is his thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's an athlete, he finishes at the rim sometimes. Sometimes he hit threes. You know, sometimes he make those good passes, but sometimes he make those passes like what you doing? <laughs> right. It's it's such a, it's such a mixed bag, and I I do feel like it's on the coaching staff to kind of help him figure out his game. You know, just let's let's help him offensively, and then I think that'll fuel that'll fuel him defensively. 
because I think everybody came into the season thinking that he was just going to be this lockdown defender. But in reality, what has happened was he's been kind of taken advantage of because his size, he's good at getting in the lanes and getting steals. Mm-hmm. But it's a one-on-one defender if you get a bigger guy on um, a bigger guy on him that can kind of, you know, barbecue chicken him. He, he, he can get <laughs> a little too small sometimes. But but um, as far as, as, like, the tournament and wins and losses and what that means, how much does almost count? Well, this is basketball. This isn't football. Right. So in football, all of those losses are like daggers in the heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it means. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it doesn't mean the same in basketball, but what were the odds of us being a two bid league anyway? That was something we were really shooting for. But mm-hmm. so the reality of the situation is in basketball almost does count. Almost does count because it shows the steady improvement. At this point, right. it's it's process of results at this point. The results will follow, but if we can find that identity for Eric, if we can find that identity for Tony Tony, you know, if we can find, if we can get Taven loving uh, his... LaVon. If we can get his magical powers back from the Mun stars that stole him, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, if we, if we get all of that back, if we can find a way to mix our ingredients... Because we are close. Like you said, almost, how much does almost count? It, it counts a lot. Now, in football, you kind of don't want to hear it because it's like, dude, it's over with. <laughs> no, like, what are we playing for? It can. That's how football is. That's the nature of the beast. But we still got this whole tournament left. And the, th- and the thing about it is I still think we are at least on par with the being, I, I feel like personally, and this is my bias showing personally, I feel like we're still the most talented in the conference by just an individual talent by talent basis. I, I, think, I think we're somewhere at the bottom as far as then getting that talent to mix. Mm, yeah. The thing about the sweet thing about that is it's correctable. You know, one thing that I've seen over this time, and <laughs> he kind of, it can, he kind of kills it because he got a tick. But I have been seeing, I've been looking at um, Eric's body language a lot. And I remember telling you in the beginning, we were sitting there watching the game. I was like, man, some every time it just seemed like his body language is like he fussing with assistant coaches. Like, players mm-hmm. always have to pick him up. I can say these last couple of games, this is the most positive. Somebody must have had to talk to him. And he's made a conscious effort. Just check him out during the games. He doesn't look like how he used to. Yeah, he's gotten better. He's gotten much better now. He got the tick the other day now, and KJ got the tick too. And ironically, both of those ticks end up costing us the game in a sense. <laughs> right. But 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 looking at those ticks though, like you look at what gains. I mean, I guess the ref could have. I mean, he ended up calling it. I guess you can call it. But all like Gaines was away from the ref. He was just over there with Andy Kennedy, and he was just kind of venting about his frustrating. Kind of threw his hand up. And the ref walks by and just tees him up automatically. Like, come on, man! You can on. like, come on, man! You got you can't have soft skin as a ref like that. Come on now, now KJ on the other hand mouthing off like to the opponent, like okay, yeah, I can see you getting teed up. Like he and he's gotten teed up before doing the same thing. So yeah, so both of those guys um, emotionally, they've been teed up a couple times this year, and they've had problems with emotions. And I wonder if they have a, a reputation that's kind of following them at this point, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, 
let's let's start with that game. Like that that game was horribly real. Okay, God. Horrible. Okay. Yes, it was pretty bad. Now, now, granted, this isn't the reason UAB lost the game. UAB nah. had ample opportunities to put Middle Tennessee away and win this game. But that being but said, that being said, yeah, the officiating was terrible. And I, you know, I caught uh, Andy Kennedy post game, and he said that on that last, uh, where the block on uh, Trey Jemison, that <laughs> the uh, the the ref said that he had all ball. I was like, come on now, man. That he all arm. He my all arm like really barely got a piece of the ball. Like really just hit his arm all the way. Like I don't see how that wasn't called. There were a couple other ones that, you know, I was I was frustrated we didn't get it called because you you know but that we'd go around the other end and barely touch them and then they <laughs> they'd call it on UAB. But I mean that's that's college basketball. You're not gonna get calls on especially away from home at, at, at another team's gym. You're not gonna get a lot of those calls. But I do agree. I think that might that might have been the worst officiated game this year. I think there at least that I've, that I've seen. Yes, uh, easily, bro. Like you know, they had a whole bunch of blocks. They had like three times the normal amount of blocks they usually have, and they have good shot blockers. They have good athletes. I was really impl- impressed with number twelve. I don't even think he was a a, a a a big. I think he was a wing player, but he. He has so much versatility to his game, and he could block shots and stuff. But looking back at some of those plays, we were attacking the rim a lot. And it's funny because we did find an identity in the source because we kept on attacking the rim. But we weren't being rewarded with the calls. Like like you said, there's a lot of times that it's college basketball. You won't get that whistle, especially being on the road. But God dang, man. It's like, (laughs) hey, hey. Hey, now it's getting getting to that point. Now I can understand the players getting frustrated, even though that over the back call was like a clear mm-hmm. over the back. I don't know what KJ was all mad about, but <laughs> but yeah, a lot of those calls. I mean, a lot of that can just be frustration building up because if you're attacking the rim, you're attacking the rim, and that's what you're told to do in basketball, especially if your shot's not going. You're told to attack the rim. You get to the line. You finish through con- contact. A lot of those blocks, we were getting kind of beat up on. Yeah. And um, it was like obvious fouls. It's kind of like, come on, man. Let it, like, throw us a bone here and there. And it's like, it's it's frustrating because you see the the slim margin of error um, that's available to us. Mm-hmm. And I do know, as I said, process of a results at this point, and almost does matter, but you still want that dub. Like, you just want that dub for morale. You want that dub to tell you to validate that you're going in the right direction. And sometimes when it still ends up in the loss, it's very uh it can it can hit your morale. It can lower it and you can kind of sink your head a little bit like, dang, I thought we was doing the right thing. You know, so and I keep on going back to Eric because he's such a polarizing player. Like I saw him a couple of times, like when he he you can tell when he's getting sped up and he's getting out of control. Mm-hmm. I saw him a couple of times slow down. He took his breath. I'm like, oh, I see a point guard right there. And a lot of times he was able to get those touches to the bigs. Like he, he, you could see him direct traffic, and you see him make a good solid pass to get the ball to where it was intended to go. And I'm like, there we go. Like it seems so simple, but it's so important because it brings a sense of calm 
Because a lot of times what happens when we don't know what we want to do on offense, we guys kind of <laughs> get the running around and we just turn the ball over. Yep. Or it's an offensive foul or some it's or it's a horrible shot. Like, why did you shoot that? Like a couple of times during the game, you can tell some guys was like, I gotta step up, Jelly's not here. Mm-hmm. I'm coming off the screen, like, oh, you know, I kind of saw Butter Johnson do that yesterday. And it's like we were so used to seeing seeing him be so refined and calm and collected. But he kind of didn't was trying to find his role and kind of forced a couple shots and he kind of he got glued to the bench. You know. and to be to be fair to Butter though, like especially when uh, Gaines went out with that tech early on, like Butter had to come in and run point for a long time. He was running <laughs> point guard for a long time, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my, like a freshman coming in running point, like at middle. I was like, this. I mean, all things considered, I think he did. He, he did pretty good. I he mean, did. you know, the, the box score doesn't reflect it, but I thought he did a good job. Um, but kind of piggybacking what you what you were just saying, uh, Darian, about Eric Gaines. How about you know? You, you speak of him being calm and collected. How about the poise at the end of regulation to hit those two free throws to force overtime? And and before that, how about the play from Tony Tony on defense forcing the steal to get it to Eric Gaines to put to try to hurry up and put up a shot to get fouled, but sank both of those. I, I, in fact, hold on, let me pull that up because I think he did he miss a free throw? No, yeah, seven of seven from the free throw line, and that's some for Eric Gaines, and that's something, Darren. You know, we were kind of, you know, questioning him, like you know, he missed those few free throws against UTEP and a couple other games. We're like, hey man, I thought he was supposed to be a pretty good free throw shooter, but right, I mean, he's he's getting there. Like you, you kind of see, you know, as you just mentioned, in points of games like. It's it's getting better for games. Like you see him starting to kind of calm down now. I mean, of course, we still have his moments where he's trying to hurry because he's super fast, like trying to hurry up and get 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 a ball, get the ball to the rack, and just forces a bad turnover or gets a gets blocked or whatever. But I thought at times, especially late in that game, that he he did a pretty good job taking care of that ball and hey, nailing two free throws to force overtime. And this is where almost counts in basketball. Yes, this is this is where almost counts because. It was no semblance of that in the beginning of the year, but now you starting you starting to see it more and more. He's taking his he's taking his uh breathe he's breathing, taking his time, knocking down free throws. He'll get out of control. He'll reset, recalibrate himself, take his time. Let's get into our sit. I'm like, wow, hmm. Mm-hmm. If he continues to do more of that when Jelly comes comes back, he can then initiate the offense effectively, not not chaotically. Effectively, you know. Right. Okay, no, oh, oh, that you didn't you didn't get freed up coming off that screen, Jelly. Run back around, stagger screen, come back around this way up. They focus on Jelly right there. There's Ladarius Brewer, open shot. Like he may be able I think when he sees when he's calmed down, he can see those things instead of pressing, let me try to make a play. You know, I think his game require requires more mental fortitude than what he thought it did. And um so now mentally when that game starts to slow down and you start to figure out who you are, that's when you can use those, those gifts more. I, I I think I told you like when I played football, I was undersized. But the thing about me was I was able to play so much faster and so much quicker because Soon as the soon as he starts saying the play in the huddle, I'm already knowing I'm already going over different fronts. If they're in this front, I know what to do. 
I done practiced this. I done watched film. I know the I know your tendencies. I know what you're gonna do before you know what you're gonna do. So now I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm stepping there, I'm cutting you off, I'm doing whatever I need to do. I know how you're gonna react. I know if you're a bull rush guy, I know if, I know if you're a counter counter guy. The thing is, the size it minimized my weakness. Like I really didn't have a weakness in that in that sense because you couldn't take advantage of it. You know, because mentally, if you're that far ahead, then you're good. If Eric mentally gets his game down, and we've been seeing flashes of that, I think that's mm-hmm. the most important part. Tony, Tony, on offense, we can play him more. We can put him in the game more because on offense, I still don't know. As far as I love his energy, I love his hustle, his grit. You know, defensively, what he's going to try to give you. But offensive, it's, it's still important. So, like, when you're running your set, hey, what are you going to do? You know, are the defense going to just lag off of you? You know, you got to be more than just an athlete. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to be, you know, mostly an athlete, you need to be cutting like Quan Jackson did on offense. Quan used to have a tendency to cut at the right time, right place. You know, get to the rack, you need to finish through contact. Like, if that's going to be your role, it can be your role. But, um, you know, only guys I think on, uh, on offense that – even Jelly, you know, let's get to Jelly. Even Jelly, like, he gets to pressing. Mm-hmm. He presses. He presses. And then, you know, then it's a bad shot that he put up. No, Jelly ain't got to press. You are Jelly Walker. His his magic ability is at his size. He can create space. And But if he starts to press, he's going to just take the first shot available. And that may be a bad shot. No, Jelly, just reset. Give it to Eric. Give it to somebody. Probably run off a screen. Oh, let somebody else eat. Let them get into the rhythm of the game. Take some pressure off of yourself. You got teammates to help you. Let mm-hmm. them get that game going. Get KJ Buffin going downhill. Like, let's let everybody. Okay, now, now you step back and you do your thing. Now you find a mismatch. You know what I'm saying? Cross him up up. Guess what? Trey Jimson is on the small game. Let, let him do his thing. Let the big fella flex mm-hmm. his muscles, you know, because he can do some of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just not often, but he can do it, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I'm I'm just it's, I'm looking at process now. I'm excited about some of the things that I see and hopefully we're able to. I'm not going to be excited if we're not building off of it. Oh, yeah, that, that's for sure. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what we do with it. And I've been seeing glimpses of it. Hopefully the guy, the guys have um, gained confidence from it, from seeing that they can get the ball in their spots. Um, Hopefully this has been a a good experience from Jelly to watch on the sidelines. And And I don't know if you, where he fits. Did you notice like they cut to it on the broadcast a few times, like you could see him like encouraging the team, like during Mm -hmm. timeouts and stuff. I I loved seeing that. I saw him calming down KJ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good leadership. I've seen him get in there and tell him it's okay. And I saw KJ kind of calm down. Like, you know, that was good leadership. You're right. Definitely. Well, guys, you know, UAB still has 12 games left in Conference USA before the tournament in Frisco. So right now, sitting four and four, see USA play, sitting right at fifth place in the standings, three and a half games back behind FAU, 13 and six overall. But the overall record really doesn't matter anymore. Four and four in CUSA, twelve games left. How much does almost count? Darren alluded to it earlier. If we can build, if UAB can build on this, 
and start to see wins, some more wins, and build that thing up to the peak right at Conference USA tournament time and just get three wins to go to the big dance, that should be the goal going forward for this UAB team. And they can do it. Like, you know, all these things that we've been addressing these last few weeks, they are fixable. And you can already see that, hey, Andy's Andy Kennedy and the staff's already fixed some of those things. They just kind of need to fine-tune a couple more things and put it all together and get some dubs, get the confidence going. And the sky's the limit. I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Now, I don't know if they're going to go like a Final Four like we said before the season. But, hey, this team most definitely can get to the NCAA tournament by winning three games in the conference tournament and just see what happens from there but it starts this saturday night as a really good north texas team comes to bartow three o'clock it's going to be televised on stadium if you can't make it out to bartow arena but i definitely hope that we see a lot of green and gold in that arena come saturday afternoon and darren if they can beat this north texas team saturday afternoon like because that right now standing wise that's the second best team right now is north texas now, they lost to FAU twice, so right now FAU kind of sits at the top. But if you can beat North Texas, get that confidence going again, I mean, we just have to wait and see, but this team can do some damage. Right. I think the answer to our question is going to be, you know, the only thing we're going to see if they if they did build off of it, if almost counted, is going to be conference tournament time. But – one thing I'm going to be looking for is, like, right before the conference tournament, you just alluded to it, like, building up. Can we get, like, a blowout or two? Yes. Going into – that's going to uh, – to me, in order to get blowouts, that's, going, that's like, everybody kind of knowing where they're at offensively and defensively, defensively, what they're supposed to do. And once you have a team that's locked in like that, that's when you're able to kind of put your foot on the team's throat and keep it there and apply pressure. That's what good teams do. They close you out. Good teams don't let you back in, make it a tight game, make you sick and guess yourself, not know what you want to do. Question. I think that's the game plan. Now, if I if I was in the conference, I would be saying, hey, just just get UAB just to survive until the last seven minutes, and then we got them because then that's when they sick and guess themselves. No, when you become a good team, you're like, what? Oh, I know what I know what to do. I know what sets I can go to. Y'all can't stop that, you know. So, um, leading up to the conference tournament, whatever the results are right now, I just want to see the process. Those last three games, can we can we can we win by nineteen twenty one? That'd be nice. Then and then, because I don't. Hey, listen, if we can go into the conference tournament and just start, you know, whooping some. You know, mm-hmm. in the conference tournament, all of this has been worth it. Definitely. So this is why we asked the question to you, and we'll leave it with y'all. How much does almost count? The context matters here. How much does almost count? Well, all right, guys, Darren and I will be back next week to recap what happens uh, against North Texas. But, Darren, you want to go ahead and close this out? Blades of Nation, let's ride. <laughs>